heavy track today. Yeah, not vibing risky lettuce, getting sinker vibes. I don't know, says on the Tab app she's firming. Don't just vibe it, get expert tips in Tab's new race feed. Tab, we're on. What are you really gambling with? Racing Pulse, RSN's racing editor, Matt Stewart. My view is that the Melbourne Spring Carnival's a national institution that we all benefit from. It's not like Sydney doesn't benefit from the might of the Melbourne Spring Carnival. For more news, opinion and selections, head to rsn.net.au. It is time for all of the racing news with RSN's racing editor, Matty Stewart. Matty, how are you? Hello, Miguel. Um, where do you want to start? Should we start with where we were yesterday and off the back of having a chat to um, Dave Eustace, who's going to be front and centre at the veterinary um, seminar today. We had a chat to Dr Grace Forbes on the program and there were a number of interesting issues. I'm going to try and get her in studio next week just to flesh a few of mm. them out, um, which would be, um, I think, good for a lot of the, the punters out there but also the industry participants to listen to and uh, one that has been spoken a lot about during the last few years has been the protocols on the international runners, especially the, the restriction on the number of starts that they can have. Yeah, and I, I'm not really sure that they're going to wriggle too much on that one after talking to Grace yesterday. I think what, and I, I think it's quite clear where they're heading with it is they look at the last three years as the policies that they've had in place have been successful why change them, mm. you know? And, yeah, I mean, we all thought that the West Wind Blows um, situation was, was one of those ones that uh, would could potentially be uh, revisited, but I don't think the West Wind Blows people were too fussed about it, and then now they find themselves in an $8 chance in the Hong Kong Vars. So, um, anyway, this is what Grace uh, had to say about it. So, for the international horses, they can have one run before mm. the Melbourne Cup. Given that we've had three years and they've been successful any changes that i think we would make would be more likely to be sort of minor adjustments rather than significant changes yep and i think that sort of sums it up and i think we're in retrospect i think they've handled it really well rv and in conjunction with the vrc the they had to write out the initial wave of um why you're doing this to us uh, you know they eased up on the the onerous ct scan situation they you know they, they they listened to some dialogue there and our race has become safe and we've got about the right amount of internationals in it so and as she alluded to yesterday a lot of the other jurisdictions around the world have now started to have more focus and and more i suppose protocols in regards to pre-race inspections trot ups and and the like well the us has to really get its act together on all mm. these fronts as um, as she sort of suggested that, that she, without um saying she knew too much specifically about what they're doing she's well well aware that they are very uh, much on the front foot about now's the time. If if not now, then we'll never get a chance to do it. So, are you having lunch with uh, Racing Victoria today? You know, if you could be a fly on the wall, it says industry heavyweights powwow. Mm. So you're an industry heavyweight, mm. and I powwow a bit. So, um, gee, that would be an interesting one. Um, Mouth guards at the front. Oh, I think door? so uh, because it's the three metro clubs. This is. This is a f- the first time this has happened for a long time. I don't think this has happened for five or six years, this sort of gathering, and here we have all the clubs going off doing their own thing, and I think it's important that Race of Victoria gets everyone under the one roof and says, right, w- collectively, where are we at? Where do you think you're at over there, MRC or, or Trainers Association or... Or whatever, and and w- you and I both know that behind the scenes in racing at the moment, there's there's a bit going on. Um, there's not a great relationship between a certain race club and Racing Victoria. 
Um, so it's going to be interesting to have Race Victoria and members of that race club under the one roof today. My mail is it's, it's going to be quite a potentially confrontational gathering today. Um, uh, the sort of things that I believe will be discussed are marketing strategies, programming. Um, we spoke to Belinda Glass yesterday about how disappointed she is that they've they've, they've had to accept this date. So Cranbourne's not happy. Yeah, what's the relationship? Uh, well, Cranbourne's not happy with the VRC for for that uh, bid to take their slot. So these are the fly on the wall scenarios that you and I would like to take in today. Uh, night racing. The trainers, I think what is going to be fleshed out clearly is the participants are going to tell Racing Victoria that we know this is your model to increase wagering, but we are all telling you collectively that we are knackered, we can't sustain it, we don't have the resources, we need to uh, really um, relentlessly pursue the federal government about the unskilled, skilled labour 457 visa situation because we simply don't have the resources to fulfil what you want us to do. So that's going to be an interesting discussion as well. And so, what is the latest there? The latest is that um, this meeting today is going to reinforce to Race in Victoria the message that we need to keep this as a very urgent issue. There's been, I think, the attempt to convince the federal government on the, the skilled labour <laughs> situation um, kept falling on, flat, on deaf ears, so then they, they, st- they started to appeal to the uh, state government. My understanding is Mark Bakula is a very good... Um, link in the chain with this sort of stuff still. Um, so things like that. Uh, I think, you know, if the trainers and uh, jockeys, uh, probably more particularly the trainers, um, you know, through their association uh, on the edge of the cliff for energy resources, uh, working hours and things like that. So uh, this this should be an annual, if not biannual, um, totally. gathering. So totally. The VRC, the MRC, Mooney Valley, Country Racing Victoria, Australian Jockeys Association, Australian Trainers Association, Victorian Breeders Association and Thoroughbred Racehorse Owners Association have been invited um, and expected to attend. Does that mean Jonathan Munns, who has previously never attended any of these gatherings, will attend? My understanding is he won't. I'm not sure whether um, someone, some representative from the owners, we know that the owners have been vicious against certain uh, uh, programming issues with Racing Victoria. So yet again, um, they should be selling tickets for flies to be on the wall because I'd snap one up because I think it'll just be a fascinating discussion. And I think a few participant groups and stakeholders are looking forward to the opportunity to have a, a an audience, you know, of, of people mm. who should be um, um, engaged. Well, we'll... I hope we get um, some insight as to what is discussed and what... Um, Can we get to one of the drinks waiters? Some of the, <laughs> some of the fallout is. Why don't we um, get someone from here to dress up as a drinks waiter? Well, Craig? how do you look in a tux? Craig? He's very silent. He'd be, he'd be the silent strong type. And because Craig flies under the radar so much, they're, they're not going to know him, so... But you're not going to be called Craig the waiter. We're going to have to change that or else I'll get onto it. I'd imagine in your lifestyle, you would probably know someone who uh, would be capable of uh, Impersonating of someone? No, just bugs. Um, yeah. I- illegal listening devices. I know blokes that could probably sort one out quickly. <laughs> uh, you'd probably just go into a $2 shop and pick up a bug, couldn't you? Anyway, uh, jokes aside, it's going to be an interesting meeting. So, um, 
That was one of the interesting things about going up to Ballarat yesterday was the sense of projects and how the indoor Japanese-style uphill training uh, cinder track, uh, it's been held up by an unusual situation of um, original landowner-type claims. So that's going to be interesting to see because that was a major, major innovation for Ballarat, whether or not it gets kind of thwarted I'm not exactly sure what the issue is, but there's an issue along those lines. So who knows how that sorts itself out. Um, who do you reckon the richest stable and... Here we go. The richest jockeys and then trainers for earnings in the last financial year, in the last calendar year? I think it'd be pretty obvious, wouldn't it? You've got Jay Mack. Yeah, on... but you've got to tell us how much they won. <clears throat> Pardon me. Jay Mack on top of the jocks. No, cool. I don't think it's last year. I think it's only at the start of this year. Okay. So, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, J-Mac, yeah, fair enough. Um, pro- overall prize money? Well, I read it, so I know. Oh, okay. Well, his cut of the $18 million is 933000 Then you dip to Mark Zara, $12 million overall, 629000 in his kick. I think that's before the tax man, though. Oh, this is all, yeah. Nash, $10 million overall. Sam Clipperton, some interesting names, $10 million. A lot of them are Sydney, where they've got the big pop-up prize money. Um uh, Sammy Clipperton, ten million overall. Craig Williams. No, but hang on, hang on. Just give what their percentage is, not the overall prize money. Oh, Zara six hundred grand. Nashville Willer five hundred grand. Sam Clipperton five hundred. Craig Williams four fifty. Tyler Schiller four forty. Benny Mallum two eighty five. Down the, the number ten on the list. So this is over the four months of the Spring Carnival, which is their highest. Sorry, earning. I should have read the story. It's for the. Uh, it's not lucky not to do that. Now. We're already four months into this, so it's it's actually from the four months from the start of August. Yes, yep, the yep. Spring Carnival. Yeah, so well, the four months, which is the highest it earning period. So, yep. um, I mean, when you're racing multi million dollar races, I, I don't think that's unusual. Christopher they, John Waller, um, twenty seven million, two point seven to Christopher John. Ma Eustace twenty. Gee, they're on the heels of each other all the time, aren't they? Now, two million to split between Ma and Eustace, probably. Joe Pride's had a massive fourteen million, one point four to him. Waterhouse Bot, James Cummings, Friedman Boys, Hayes Boys, Moody Coleman, etc. There you go. Um, I like this story, and you're going to have a chat to the bloke. Fifty races around the desert for uh, Fab's Fab's cowboy, uh, born and bred up the bush, farm bred. Um, lovely story. These, these are the these are the ones that really get me. I'd love to see the race tracks he's been winning on. Is he one at a? Tra- have you got his form there? I can. Has get he it won up at now. Hearts Range? I went to the bush races at Hearts Range once. I wonder whether he's won there. Where is Hearts Range? For About those two hours east of Alice Springs. Right. Okay. Well, we'll have a little look. Um, um, but just a great story. 12-year-old horse, bush battler. So 50 wins. And this is the thing about which struck me. And I'm going to have a chat to Mel Johnson, who's the wife of um, Bevan Billy Johnson, who trains Fab's Cowboy. He's a 12-year-old who on the weekend at Mount Isa won his 50th race. He's had 147 starts, 50 wins, but he's also had 31 seconds and 12 third so he's had what's that 93 placings from 147 starts and he's won uh $410,000 in prize money so which isn't bad given he runs around the bush all the time so Roma was his very first race start he finished this is a story of um persistence Roma his very first race start on 
21st of November 2015, he finished ninth of 11, beaten 10.4 lengths. Sell him. <laughs> uh, he, he then finished fourth of eighth, seventh of eighth, and then failed to finish sixth of eighth, third of ninth before he had his first win at a place called, well, it's it's hyphenated to Glade. Is that Glades? Or? Is it Gladstone? Gladstone. Gladstone. There you go, Gladstone. So um, it is just a, a true Aussie battler bush horse story, which is absolutely fabulous. Now, the jockey um, who has uh, ridden and works a lot with um, Fab's Cowboy, because I think he works with the stable, is um, uh, Tyler Leslie. And this is a beautiful grab that Tyler gave about the connection and how much Fab's Cowboy is part of the family. When he won at Blackhall with me, first up last preparation, he actually got sick and um, Bill slept in that horse's stable for two nights. That's a dead set truth. Like Mel found him down there with the horse on the ground. So, you know, it, it just, like him and that horse just have an unreal bond. I think Bill loves that horse nearly as much as his children. And that's not out of charge. That's, that's a dead set statement. <laughs> so we're going to have a chat to Mel Johnson. The, the record... The modern-day record in Australian racing of most wins is by a horse called Walk Cool, who raced in Queensland as well. I'm not sure whether it was in a similar area, but it had 51 wins. So he's got until the 1st of August next year when his mandatory retirement is, turning... To race against time for the 12-year-old. To try and win that. And I'll I'll talk more about it with Mel Johnson. They've thrown out a little um, carrot to say, I'd love him to be part of living legends. Well, if Andrew Clark's listening, there you go, mate. Um, he's won more races than most of them out there. For, for, for now and for the big V, I just want some listeners to give us other horses like this. Like Burglar of Banff was your classic mm. one up in Queensland who won 35 or 40 races, 0416905052. We want the other Fab's cowboy stories. Like who are the who are the greats of the past who have done all this sort of stuff? There's uh, horses that have won like five Hanging Rock Cups and stuff too. You know, mm, I, I like what you're doing here because you're writing an article for the Winning Post on this. So you're trying to get the greater good to do your research. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to absolutely <laughs> do it every week. Do it every week. Hey, you were at the Jericho. We're going to have a chat a little later on the program this morning. We spoke about um, and what a great interview it was with Camera Willie yesterday. We're going to have a chat to Jane Taylor. She won the consolation. Uh, to the Jericho on Saturday, the biggest win of her career a little later. But uh, again, what's the feedback and the fallout been of what was um, on the, I suppose, um, view that we've both had a very, very popular Jericho Cup yep. meeting? Uh, the, the actual crowd figure, the actual figure hasn't been um, sort of calculated yet, but it was it's assumed to be between five and 6,000, which felt about right. Going to have a chat to Billy Gibbons on the Big V. Of course, he was the creator of the Jericho Cup. He's, he's been battling a bit of ill health at the moment, Billy, so um, he's, he's had to juggle that with the, um, you know, giving his heart and soul to the to the Jericho, even though he's withdrawn his financial support. But just a bit of a dust settling. How was it? What does the future still look like? Are there any little innovations, you know? Is the Saturday standalone still a ball in the air or not? Um, everyone Is everyone happy with the date? Where do we go from here type thing? And I think... Uh, and Billy wants us... He's going to pay special tribute to the young lady who did the national anthems, who I told you the story about how I ran into a lady I went to school with, Kim, and... Um, she taught her at primary school. So just who's this girl who, who just wowed everyone with the national anthem? So just a brief summary of uh, 
uh, of the Jericho. A couple of quick ones. I'm Unstoppable's been sold to Widden. Um, so uh, they've they've been very smart, I think, getting that deal done. If he'd won the Group 1 Coolmore, where he ran second, he would have been uh, put a couple of more zeros on it probably. But the good news is he's not going to go straight to study. He's going to continue to race on. Uh, and as far as I understand, he's going to continue to be trained by... Um, Lloyd, Lloyd and, yep. and uh, Lucy. Yep. Um, they're very good winning like this. They don't necessarily pursue Group 1 winners. Sapito, classic example, he's doing going great guns. They just identify the right pedigree mix, and that's what Anthony Thompson has done there. Um, and I'm getting really excited about Hong Kong. Um, uh, we've got half of RSN over there. Uh, Andrew Bensley will be Pretty doing... much, yeah. Very... Geez, he gets a good, good junk, does doesn't get he? on the road a bit, yeah. Is that the boss because you write your own name in there? Yeah. Is that yeah, what happens? Yeah, he's, a, he's, he's, he's sort of a journeyman. Yeah. So, anyway, Andrew will be giving us interviews tomorrow. We're going to have an extended preview of the international jockey meeting tomorrow with uh, also Clint Hutchison. We'll try and get hold of Rachel King tomorrow. And then, gee, these these big group ones on Sunday are shaping up really well, Matty. Highfield Princess versus Lucky Swainess is massive. Uh, in $2 the Lucky Swainess, $6 Highfield Princess. She is an iron mare. The, the reception she got at Longchamp when I was there when she won that sprint after dominating in Europe as well, and they run the sprint over the other side of the track where no one can see it. It's bizarre, but she won that and she got an amazing reception. So she's an absolute global star who's going to take on Lucky Swainess. So that's just massive. It's a bit of a shame we don't have a runner in that. We should have mm. the third pin sprinter in that instead of it well, being too Wellington. too much money in Australia. Yeah, it'd be nice. Who, who would be the one you'd like to see in there? Even in secret or something, it'd be nice to see one of those sort of sprinters there. Um, well, uh, Imperatrix would be... Imperatrix would be nice. Um, so, um... Golden 60 looking to win yep. his third yeah. uh, mile. He's the $2.30 favourite uh, in that race, which is going to be interesting. We've got a few of the Japanese horses yeah. heading over there as well. They're on the fringe of a few races. Namua is the top-rated Japanese runner in the Golden 60 Beauty Eternal California Spangle mile race. Uh, Romantic Warrior... $2.20. Yeah, and there's a Japanese horse in that as well, so... Prognosis? Oh, I just think it's going to be really interesting with... If Golden 60 and Romantic Warrior can win, they will tear the grandstand down at Chartin. Mm. If those two... And it's the ultimate test for both of them. Like they, I call them bubble horses, but I'll remove the bubble if Golden 60 can win and Romantic Warrior, even though it's in Hong Kong, but it's pretty stiff opposition at a certain stage of their careers. So um, I'm, it's as interesting, other than the fact that of poor uh, take-up from Australia, it's as interesting as it gets. And West Wind Blows is about an $8 chance in the... Uh, in the 2400 metre race. So that's an indication of, you know, the, the strength of that race as well. That's certainly going to be fascinating. Constitution Hill's running on the weekend, by the way, hopefully, oh. at Sandown in the UK in uh, uh, in a Group 1 steeplechase. Uh, he wasn't going to run because the weather was too foul. Then there was a delay. Now uh, Nicky Henderson says he's going to run possibly the most popular racehorse in Europe yep. in Constitution Hill. We'll definitely keep an eye on that. We'll count down to the, all the Hong Kong news as well. Just as we say goodbye, a few SMSs to help your story out here. Um, Can you just print them off? There was a horse called Real Power in the 70s, trained by John Coombs and Mansfield, won numerous races around northeast Victoria, uh, won a midweeker at Flemington um, when having his 53rd run for the season. Gee. He used to regularly run Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. We don't breed them like that anymore. That's Matt from Vermont. Um, we don't torment them like that anymore. 
I think I can remember Corey's Road, trained by Eric Dexter, won at Albury. Uh, at Albury won 50 races. I could be wrong, but check that one out. And then there's another one here saying uh, the, the champ Royal Snack won four yep. Moe Cups. For George Hanlon, he did. Um, so keep them coming in. Um, You'll continue that on the big V? We will, because Nevitt's away getting Schindler's in New Zealand, so I need the SMSs to help me through. <laughs> All right, Matty. We'll Thanks, see Michael. you soon. Uh, we'll take a quick break.